You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting edge, state of the art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca/slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Alan S. Hale, Ontario Legislature Reporter for Queen's Park Today. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Today on the show, X gonna give it to you. And the lioness of honking, Tamara Leach's new image. Welcome to Shortcuts, Alan, where we talk shit about the news. <laughs> this episode is brought to everybody by Gabriel Much, Ryan McGregor, Jessica Reed, Chrisanna Doyle, Catherine Lee, Rylan Cole, James O'Hearn, and Andrew. I'm Andrew, an Anglican priest living in Winnipeg, and I support Canada Land because I get stories here that I don't get in other places. I get incredible series like Thunder Bay and White Saviors, and I appreciate a critical journalism team who aren't afraid to talk shit about the news. Hey, quick announcement. We are doing live events, three of them. Too often these things happen in Toronto and, you know, We have one here in Toronto. But if you live in Vancouver, we've got an event for you. These are so fun. And if you are a fan of Matea Roach, if you're a fan of the Backbench, go and join Matea for an unforgettable live podcast taping on October 4th at the Vancouver International Film Festival. 
Um, live podcast events are tremendous fun, Alan. I mean, sometimes I think people will hear this and like, ah, that's for like super fans or weirdos. It actually is just a good chance to go and do something different one evening and meet Matea and the team who really want to meet listeners of the show and kind of engage in a different way. You're not going to see music. You're not going out to a movie. You're going for a discussion and a podcast taping. What they're going to be talking about is Bill C-11. So really what they're talking about is what's going to be happening with filmmaking in Canada, the David and Goliath-like struggle of independent art venues against the dominance of the industry giants in the cinemasphere kind of um, monopolistic universe. Sounds fascinating. I think that's a good one. Go check that out if you live in Vancouver. Or check this out if you live in the Yukon. Ooh. Or Whitehorse on October 7th. The backbench is continuing on. They're going to the Yukon Theater. So happy to be doing this. Take part in a smart and nuanced and engaging recorded conversation centering the unique realities of those living in Canada's north. We're not just talking about the north's issues. We are going to the north. And then, yeah, we are doing a big show here in Toronto. And this is sort of the main event for our 10th anniversary spectacular. 10 years. 10 years of Canada land. Wow. October 19th. Uh, we are the opening show at the Hot Docs Podcast Festival. So it's it's the whole gang. It's me, Archie, Matea, Jonathan Goldsby, a host of collaborators, friends, and special guests. There's going to be uh, live and virtual appearances by people like Margaret Atwood and David Suzuki, Rick Mercer. Oh, Rick Mercer's never done anything with Candleland before. Rick Mercer. I love yeah. Rick Mercer. And some people who I'm going to make them uh, surprise guests because we don't have them confirmed yet. This is going to be a great show. If you're a Candleland supporter, come celebrate our 10th with us. You will get 50% off tickets to any one of these events. And anybody can come and get a ticket. Go to canadaland.com slash events. Breaking news out of Ontario. Greenbelt controversy has taken yet another twist. It's been another wild week with the Greenbelt fiasco here at Queen's Park. Housing Minister Steve Clark has resigned from the provincial cabinet. I'm sorry that we didn't do a better job and that I personally didn't do a better job. It involves the so-called Mr. X, the consultant hired to lobby governments to remove Greenbelt land and rezone it for development. Alan. Yes. Who is... Mr. X. In the 1984 graphic novel published by the now defunct Toronto-based Vortex Comics called Mr. X, Mr. X was a bald-headed man of mystery who lived in this dystopian urban hell, (laughs) a municipality that was ruled by corrupt officials and mobsters. And it was actually a comic series about urban planning. It was this weird city where the urban planning was so bad it actually caused the citizens to go mad. Wow. That's a hell of a story. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the Mr. X that you've been covering as a Queen's Park reporter. Who is the actual Mr. X? Well, from all indications, and we've had multiple outlets uh, confirm this, or be told this anyway, it is Mr. Uh, John Mutton. A bald-headed man as well, but 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 more of the, like, a thick-necked kind of a... Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, a... definitely a man who likes his bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, definitely a kind of a macho, outgoing kind of guy. Yeah, he's apparently been photographed with just about everybody under the sun at this point. Definitely a man about town, if you will. Also lost an election after his ex-wife accused him of uh, hitting her and their daughter. Oh, huh. Uh, He was acquitted, to be fair. To be fair, and we should make that point, he was acquitted. 
Okay, so this is the story that I understand, and this is the ongoing Greenbelt saga. Mr. X certainly spices things up, but in the ethics probe, there's this guy talked about who is this, like, I guess a lobbyist, allegedly, and this is illegal because he would be a an unregistered lobbyist, who stood to gain by working on behalf of developers who, you know, we, we, we've been hearing about these envelopes, we've been hearing about these developers telling the Ford government, this is the land that I want you to free from the green belt. And then magically, those are the lands that get uh, removed from the green belt. And this guy allegedly was facilitating this. And according to the ethics probe, we know why. He gets mm-hmm. a $250,000 payday when the land gets removed from the green belt. And then he gets another $750,000 once it gets rezoned for development. And that is illegal as well. First of all, you have to you have to register if you're a lobbyist. And second of all, you can't have like those types of incentives. You could, you could hire somebody to lobby for you, but you can't mm-hmm. say you get, you know, if you get us the, uh, this billion dollar deal, you get $10 million. You can't make it that way. Is he denying that he's Mr. X or, or, or is, is he denying that he was a lobbyist? Okay. I believe he is denying that he is both. He doesn't consider himself a lobbyist. He runs a consulting company, which would explain why he would not have registered as a lobbyist. If you're a consultant, you're really just giving people advice. But there was somebody who has a contract mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to get these this money. Yeah. Mr. Mutton has definitely said he is not this person. Okay. Yeah, but... It seems like the people, uh, the at least the people that the Star and the Trillium have been talking to indicate that it is Mr. Mutton. That uh, according to the Integrity Commission's report, Mr. X is a former municipal official of some kind. Uh-huh. And it, we've had multiple reports that it is Mr. Mutton. He has definitely said it's not him. I have not independently confirmed on my own whether right. it is Mr. Mutton. So we, we really are going off of what... Outlets like the Star. I think the, the Star first connected they, yeah, it to Mutton, yeah. and then uh, and then uh, CBC said we've independently. Yeah, and then the, yeah. So there's there's been multiple outlets who have confirmed this, and I don't think it's uh, an unrealistic guess. At least the consensus amongst your fellow Queens Park reporters is like this yeah. is the guy. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. You know, just when this was like seeming sexy, and it involved Mr. X, and then it's like we found him. It's Mr. Mutton, and and then it just mm. becomes a very Canadian. <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting. I think one of the things, the chatter going around the press gallery at the moment is like, why Mr. X, though? The integrity commissioner is not exactly a man known for his flowery language, you know? For his flair. Yeah. And I mean, like, so he could have written the report and it could have been lobbyist A or subject B. Or, you know, it could like it could have been anything. If it, if the job was to sort of like neuter yeah, public yeah, interest. Yeah, if you know? the uh, it could have been any other any kind of nomenclature. Do you feel that this was too sensational? I feel like it and I think I'm not the only one who feels this in the press gallery, is that it was they used Mr. X to draw attention. What's wrong with that? I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but it is dancing a fine line because like the integrity commissioner's office won't answer any questions about Mr. X because they are they could be investigating this person mm-hmm. for a violating um, lobbying rules. So like he can't legally can't be talking about who any more than what he has told us in the report. But they used Mr. X, which is just it seems tailor made for headlines, and that's exactly what it got. Why aren't you grateful? I don't, this fucking country. There's no greater crime in this country than like wearing a shiny scarf or something. Oh, g- good heavens! <laughs> we we were aided in our job of engaging the public with with news stories of massive public importance. I mean, that's a gift. It is. 
You're right. It is. And it's just, tisk, it's, tisk. it's, um, it's not that I'm ungrateful. I'm just surprised. Okay. I'm surprised that they did that. But, you know, and it's, it seems intentional. And I think that's interesting. The last time I spoke about this story on Shortcuts was to ask the question, you know, like, this is a prime example of how things should go. The, the media is doing its job, asking the right questions, shaking out these facts. And we go from the stag and doe to the green belt and there's revelations and there's sources. And then that leads to two different, because there was the, before the, there was the auditor general and then the integrity commissioner. Mm-hmm, yeah. So like, I, I think that the, the press and, and very explicitly they were cited like this, the, these, those official bodies looked into this because the press shined a light on this, shone a light, and and then that that's how it's supposed to go. And then they have the ability to compel information that the, the mm-hmm. press didn't. They found things that were wrong. And then it all led up to the point of like, and now is anything going to actually happen? And lo and behold, shame on me for my cynicism, there was a repercussion for this government. Yeah. Actually, what happened? So I th- well, before we get into what happened, I absolutely agree that this is one of those situations where the media has really lived up to its potential. And I mean, like, we, the media can always be doing its job better. I absolutely believe that. Like, this this would not have happened. This stuff would not have come to light without, like, reporters doing the actual, like, shoe leather journalism. Yeah. Like, people like Emma McIntosh at the Narwhal and her uh, associates at the Star, they went and checked property records to see who owned these parcels. And that's really what this got, they got this ball rolling. And Honestly, I mean, I don't. <laughs> I'll give a shout out to Emma. I don't think this will be the last minister that Emma McIntosh ends up uh, <laughs> ends up uh, ends taking up, down yeah. in her career. <laughs> um, from your lips to God's ears. But is this where the buck ends? Uh, <sighs> yeah. what, what, what? Because this this deniability that Ford is asserting here seems very suspicious and. Where the rubber hits the road, it's all wonderful and well and good for a minister to lose their job uh, amid the scandal. But there are some real issues at play here, like what is going to happen to this land and Mm -hmm. what is going to happen to the government that allowed this to happen. It doesn't really matter if another minister is installed and the the deal goes through anyhow. Yeah, well, that is exactly what the government is hoping is going to happen, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think at this point... We have gone many steps further than Doug Ford or any of the PCs would have liked this to go. They definitely, when they, when the Auditor General's report came out a month ago, they didn't even want to fire the chief of staff who, like, spearheaded this whole sorry thing. Like, that he, like, was the one going and picking up uh, packages of uh, information from developers and then, like, going through it with them in the office. Like, they didn't want him to fire him. They certainly didn't want Steve Clark to leave. But the opposition act did its job very well as well and, like, really kept the pressure on. They went to the Auditor General. They called consistently. All of the three main opposition parties were calling for his head. And they got it. And what we're seeing now is, from what I can see in the past couple of days, the PCs really want to stop it here. There's a recommendation from the Integrity Commission that Mr. Clark be reprimanded. And that's something that the... The House is going to have to do when it comes back on the 25th. Like mm-hmm. it will, that'll be a decision that the House will have to make. Because he's still a sitting MPP. Yeah, he's still an MPP. And I imagine, and yeah, based on what Paul Kalander, the new municipal affairs minister, said this morning, he's still a very influential one. If they're on their back heel afraid of like, oh, did we cut off, you know, we threw this guy under the bus and it's going to end there and make him the scapegoat. No, they're actually saying we don't, we're not even willing to necessarily accept more repercussions for him, which does not sound to me like a government that's afraid that like this is actually going to keep creeping up and, and, and implicating more people and maybe even the premier himself. Well, I think 
the <laughs> the government has not been as worried as it should have been about this issue for months. And they keep making that mistake. Like, I think in their heart of hearts, they feel that they have done nothing wrong and <laughs> therefore nothing can happen to them because eventually they'll be vindicated. And honestly, I, I get the feeling that Mr. Ford believes that. Well, I, like sincerely. Let, let's ask about Premier Ford here. Let's talk about Dougie because I think this is true in so many situations. No matter how egregious what's going on, people feel like I'm not doing anything wrong. This is just how it's done. Even mm-hmm. when we're talking about like envelopes being passed from commercial interests to uh, mm-hmm. uh, like the, the mm-hmm. whole pro- you know to politicians to members of government, and then the whole process uh, from the civil service being kind of subverted, creating this little breakaway committee to like expedite it. I think you know Ford. This is just how government, this is like, this is being effective. Oh, and not just Ford. Like, I've talked to former PC staffers about this, and it really, um, when the Auditor General's report came out, I was told by one person that, like, you know, it may not be pretty, but this is how the policy sausage is made. This is how the sausage is made. But but, but we know otherwise, and it's it's not just our point of view. The Integrity Commissioner and the Auditor General was like, "This this is not how it's supposed to be done. We have rules in place to stop this from happening. This very thin, like this idea that that's not lobbying, if that is in fact what he was doing, yeah. it, it is lobbying. We have a lobbyist register. Like in a in hundred different ways, this is not the way it's supposed to happen. And I think that Ford, th- there's a mixture of defiance and denial mm-hmm. um, and magical thinking here. Oh, for sure. So what I ultimately wonder, and I've, I've wondered this out loud before, Sooner or later, he has to accept that whether or not what he feels that it was justifiable and this is just how you get housing built, which is a ludicrous concept, whatever the circumstance, this is a huge political liability. Oh. And his favors for these moneyed interests have hurt him and continue to hurt him. And eventually, I think even he has to recognize that this is the biggest threat to his government. And the question that I've wondered from the start is, what is his motive to give these guys these favors because we know what Mr. X's motive was. Mr. X gets a million dollars. We know what the developer's motive is. They're getting billions of dollars of value. It's, of course, been reported that these are the same developers that have donated money, but, but, but we don't really allow these people to donate much money or their companies to donate much money. I've never fully bought that Doug Ford is willing to risk it all because he's in their pocket based purely on those donations. You know, Goldsby has suggested that this is just almost like Doug Ford's religion, is that that he's just like commerce and, you know, these commercial interests, my buddies first. But he's really putting his thick neck on the line to help these development companies. Yeah. This is uh, my impression of Doug Ford. And please let let your your listeners your I am not I, I am not I am not letting the premier off the hook. Okay. Okay. You're not going to do it Doug. Uh, uh, this but is your impression I, of him, This is your... my take on Doug okay. Ford having known him, well, yeah, been around him for a few years at this point. Mm-hmm. I feel Mr. Ford is the kind of guy who will go above and beyond for his friends. He's just that kind of guy. If you were if you were Mr. Ford's neighbor, say, lad, the guy down the street and, you know, you came up to the premier and you said, Mr. Ford, I really need your help. I'm in big trouble. Like, I really need your help. I bet, you know, if he liked you, if he, like, felt sympathy towards you, he'd go out of his way to help you, you know? Like, and I think the problem is that has worked well for his family for a long time. Fixing potholes. You know, and- like, it has made them into a Tobacco uh, nobility, and it works for them. It got them to City Hall. I mean, there are people who come to Ford Fest. Now, there are multiple Ford Fests 
like not just in Etobicoke, but also in Windsor and London, or there was going to be one in London, but they had to cancel it. But Kitchener. Anyway, so there is like the man has the ability to make people feel like they are listened to and that he would help them. And I think that comes from a genuine place. The problem is he doesn't realize that that is not how you can do things at a provincial level. Like, you know, Mario Cordellucci may be a good friend that he, you know, wanted to bring to his daughter's wedding and sit at his table. And then he puts Mario Cordellucci on the York police board and like, you know, he's just... And who is Mario Cordellucci? Mario Cordellucci is a um, a prominent developer. Uh-huh. So what yeah. you're saying is that these, these, this is not necessarily that he's getting some big payday. This is, these are his values. This this, this, this is, is what matters. This, this is, is who his, he is. And he yeah. like, and he does, I don't know if the premier gets sometimes that it is not, that people will not trust him to like, people will not take on faith that he is not in the pocket of these people, even though to him, it seems obvious that it's, that he's not. That he's just like doing solids for buddies. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. Like people he likes, people he feels deserve his help. You know, he gives out his cell phone number, like, and he does get back to people from all reports. That's and actually like, a very you know, generous analysis because there's there's no shortage of people out there who imagine that there's some mechanism by which he is personally profiting or, you know, there's people who imagine – and we actually don't have reason to – like there's no substantiation that, that there's any direct benefit to him. And, like, and as I was saying, listeners, I'm not letting Premier Ford off the hook. I do believe he – like these are the values he holds, but – that doesn't make them acceptable. You know what it is, Alan? <laughs> no. it, it, like, it's just that, that in, in the grand scheme of things, and we get excited and this is juicy and, and journalists are like, yeah. it's fun when you when you dig into a scandal and you learn more mm-hmm. things and it's fun when that actually has political outcomes. This is journalism doing its job. But we have to take a step back and yeah. say all of this is a massive distraction from the real issues yeah. at, at a time of, of like multiple crises. Like this has nothing to do with wildfires. This has nothing to do, it has now been confirmed with the housing crisis. It, it really doesn't. It's not going to speak to the housing crisis. And it's, it's, this is all a bunch of stuff that the government is, is absolutely overtaken by mm-hmm. fighting for its survival instead of dealing with the opioid crisis or anything else that is urgent and real. So like, like this is like, thanks a lot, buddy. We didn't need this shit. No, and then, like, they have no one but themselves to blame for this. Alan, this episode is brought to everybody by article. Do you use furniture? I do sometimes sit on things that are not the floor, yes. Excellent. You are uh, the target demographic for this uh, message. Summer is winding down, which means you are probably going to be spending a lot more time indoors, and you should have things to sit on, and you should have a nice space that you love and you feel great in. Article's team of designers is all about finding the perfect balance between style, quality, and price. They want to bring delightful design into your home. They brought it into my home and into our office. Uh, You're here in our studio when you walked into our main office. I don't know if you noticed, there's a sofa. It was a nice sofa. Mm-hmm. It looked, it looked good comfy on, as hell. I'm a fan of the, the office sofa. Article is great. The pieces are timeless. I am not worried about them going out of style. And they have a great deal for listeners of this podcast. 50 bucks off of your first purchase of $100 or more. That's like up to a 50% savings. To claim it, visit article.com slash CanadaLand. The discount will be automatically applied to checkout. That is article.com slash CanadaLand for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Alan, it is your first time joining us here at Shortcuts. Mm -hmm. We have a thing we do here. Oh, yeah? We don't like it when a worthy news story goes ignored. Oh. All that work from journalists for a story that people are not paying enough attention to, so we note them duly. Have you a story to duly note? Well, 
I think the thing that uh, I'm going to be watching for over the next little while, and I don't think it gets enough attention, is the indigenous opposition to the uh, Ring of Fire. Mm -hmm. I used to work up for the uh, Kenora Daily Miner News back in the day. So oh, wow. I, I lived, I've lived up there. I've been to these communities. Like, I've been to Grassy Narrows and stuff. And, like, I, you know, and that's where I really got into following indigenous news and politics and stuff. And I don't think people quite appreciate what is going to happen if the province goes ahead and tries to develop the Ring of Fire. And for those who you don't, who aren't following this, the Ring of Fire is this very large, impressively uh, important looking uh, mineral deposit up very, several hundred kilometers north of Thunder Bay. And it's got all these great minerals in it uh, that are going to be very, very necessary for EV batteries and like mm -hmm. electrification and stuff. A lot of money at stake. A lot of money at stake. There are... Two First Nations up there named uh, Webequay and Martin Falls. And they are on board with the development of the Ring of Fire. But the problem is the Webequay and Martin Falls are part of a larger group of like nine First Nations called the Mattawa Tribal Council. And the other seven are uh -huh. <laughs> not on board. Okay, where can people read about this? This sounds super it's, important. Okay. If you check out politicstoday.ca, we've got some coverage on this. My publication, Queen's Park Today, and a bunch of our other newsletters that we publish across the country. So you can check that out. It's going to be a thing. And nobody's talking about it. And if things go ahead, there's going to be conflict. And I don't know if anybody's ready. Duly noted. I got one here. This is a piece in the Halifax Examiner. Holy shit. Uh, this is a great little investigation, but these motherfuckers, not the Halifax Examiner, but Sobeys. Uh, the headline is, they don't let us. Dollarama stores sell bread unless there's a Sobeys nearby. So here's what the Halifax Examiner did. Suzanne Rent went to like four dozen Dollaramas and went and, and said, okay, do you sell bread? Because the cheapest loaf of bread you can get in many communities is, mm -hmm. the, is the bread that Dollarama sells, Wonder Bread or, or one of these other, yeah. you know? You know, yeah. People, like, this is, we're down, what does this have to do with the price of bread? It has everything to do with the price of bread. This is the staple, and people are hunting for ways to save money right now, and they go to Dollarama. And some Dollaramas will sell you a loaf of bread, and others won't. And what they found was that overwhelmingly, the Dollaramas that don't carry bread are the ones near Sobeys. What the uh, fuck? I see. Sobeys does not own Dollarama. But they went and they spoke to like employee after employee. And the Dollarama employee said like, oh, yeah, we're not allowed to because there's a Sobeys nearby. And they, they, they got multiple people saying that, attributing this to Sobeys. So what's going on here if Sobeys does not? Now, Sobeys actually does own a lot of real estate. They have a company, an affiliated company that owns a lot of real estate. But even when they don't own the real estate, what happens is, and this is sort of inferred, the examiner did the work to yeah. actually like figure out the relationship, the correlation between the Sobeys nearby. And they got the quotes from the employees directly saying it's because there's a Sobeys nearby. But I can tell you what's actually going on, which is a harder thing to report conclusively. What's actually going on is that leases can say anything. Yeah. And Sobeys has an incredible amount of power as a renter. So even when they're not the landlord, they can make demands and say, we're going to open a Sobeys here, but you have to promise us that nobody's going to com compete against us for yeah. X, Y, and Z. And they're leaning on the actual landlords, uh, I would I would very strongly suspect, to have provisions of leases saying you're not going to let Dollarama or anybody else sell bread. And sometimes it's like double the price. These motherfuckers. So 
Halifax Examiner did the work. They reported it, and they have agreed to take that story out of their paywall so everybody can get as angry about this as they should be. So go ahead and Google Dollarama Sobeys Halifax Examiner because, like, it, it just seems like we need to keep the pressure up on these grocers constantly. Duly noted. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Calls of support from those who support Chris Barber and Tamara Leach, two prominent leaders of the anti-COVID vaccine mandate protest. Leach and Barber each accused of mischief, intimidation and obstruction related charges after they helped organize the convoy. Tamara Leach is considered the heart and soul of the movement. Uh, She was instrumental in getting on social media and helping the organization raise millions of dollars. Okay, so Tamara Leach is on trial, as is Barbara, but I want to focus on Leach here, um, and I'm really looking at how she's being covered. It's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Because, like, you know, during the convoy, uh, public opinion was so against the occupation of Ottawa that I think even the National Post was, like, fuck these nuisance motherfuckers. Right, Um, right. But it's, you know, now that there has been, I don't know, some time has gone by, I've noticed that there is a very different tone taken, and, and now that she's, like done her time or, or, or <laughs> uh, there might, I don't know if there's going to be more, but Tamara Leach was locked up uh, first when she was arrested and then for uh, allegedly violating her bail. So like, look at some of these headlines. This is a CP story that was covered, that was picked up by CTV and many others. How Tamara Leach transformed from spokeswoman to symbol of the freedom convoy movement. Mm-hmm. She's described as a lioness of the movement. And she's been on Jordan Peterson's podcast If we had been there with an agenda to take over Ottawa and overthrow the government, Mm -hmm. 
we could have done it. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's quite a thing to say, because of course everybody's comparing this to the other trials that are going on right now, the trials of the January 6th, yeah. really the coup attempt, and the Proud Boys who are yeah. being locked up and the books being thrown at them for trying to overthrow the American government. Someone who was sentenced to 22 years yesterday, I think. 22 years. And it's so funny how Canada always will create the milder Canadian version of the American thing, because while these Americans are on trial for like, coup attempts and sedition and bringing zip ties and who knows what the fuck they were planning. Mm -hmm. The Canadians are on trial for mischief. For mischief. If there's a greater crime in Canada than wearing a scarf with some flair, it's for disturbing the peace. It's for making a noise and making a fuss. Anyhow, I know that a lot of people feel like it was much, much, much more serious than that. And I'm sure if you lived in Ottawa, it was. But this trial is becoming a show trial. Mm. And Leach is having her brand rewritten and her place, you know, in, in, in the history of this, uh, opposition movement. Here's another piece from the post, a, an opinion piece by Carson Jerema. Tamara Leach exposed the incompetence of the Canadian state. I saw that one too. Yeah. And I'm just reading like into things like the types of photographs they choose of her. She's, she seems proud and defiant and she's described, you know, making these dramatic entrances and just like what an interesting grandmother and figure she is. And, and <laughs> you know, like there, there really is uh, some cult of personality stuff that's being whipped up by the coverage of Tamara Leach. A lot of people would like to see the heaviest consequences possible. Mm -hmm. And yet I wonder what the actual impact of that will be, given that, as was stated on the first day of trial, this is not a trial of their anti-vax political beliefs. Right. This is a trial for protesting and crossing the line of what a protest is. This is this is like how much noise can you make at a protest? How much opposition to the police is allowed? How much coordination against? Like that is actually what she and Barbara are on trial for. Right. The convoy's over, and the woman is on a criminal trial, and there is a line that has to be walked to not just convict her in the press while her freaking trial is going on. Because mm -hmm. then her 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 uh, lawyers can turn around and try to make the case that she has, like, that there is no possibility for a uh, fair trial. I don't think that's likely to happen. At this point, we're at that point where, you know, things have started and, like, they've tried to get the uh, charges dropped or, like, dismissed, yeah. you know, like... But the media... She's got a hot shit lawyer. Yeah, that's true. It's Lawrence Greenspawn. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, that is, a, um, that is a hot ticket lawyer. I think that the the danger is not necessarily that the press is going to so, you know, prejudice everyone that she's yeah. going to get off on that technicality. I think that I think that the most dramatic outcome here is that they, they really overextend and throw the book at her. Yeah. And that, that solidifies the mythology here. Oh, and yeah. I do, I'll always say this, and I don't care how much shit I take for it, mm -hmm. if the outcome of the Occupy movement or the G20 or Wet'suwet'en was to have a maximum application of things like mischief laws. Yeah. I would see that as the state coming down against protesting itself and civil disobedience itself. And I think that when you are defending civil disobedience, you have to divorce the cause that was being, right. That was being fought for from the pro and, 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 you know, people are like, well, but they crossed the line. That is civil disobedience. That's what protest movements do. Right. They make a nuisance of themselves. They cross the line. And then we see how the state interacts with protest by, you know, we are going to overinflate. You didn't hurt anybody. You didn't do X, Y, and Z. You didn't storm the Capitol, but you did break some misdemeanors and you did, you did, you know, coordinate. And even though that is like absolutely on 
the uh, Ottawa police. Yeah. Fuck, it's on. Like, this would have been a one-day thing. We are going to make an example of you to show that this sort of thing won't be tolerated. That's how you create golden gods of protest movements. And, you know, it's interesting because the whole Freedom Convoy movement seems to have kind of dissolved. It certainly doesn't have the same kind of support that it did when they were occupying Ottawa. But they're trying again. Yeah. They're, they're planning a new convoy that is all about save the children. They've morphed uh, into this yes. anti-trans kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think they're trying to make a martyr out of her. And I, I think that, that uh, it's possible the courts will do them a big favor. And... Uh, maximum application of these laws. And that's Shortcuts for this week. Alan, thank you. Well, thank you. It's been great. <laughs> we are on Twitter at CanadaLand. You can email me about this show at jesse at CanadaLand.com. I read everything you send. Where can people find you and your work? Check me out on Twitter, Alan S. Hale, and uh, check out politics.ca. We've got, we got newsletters for Queen's Park, for, for our Ottawa, uh, Parliament Hill, and BC and Alberta. If you are interested in following the politics closely, check us out. Try a free try. It's well worth your time. This episode is produced by Aviva Lassard with additional production by Caleb Thompson. Our managing editor is Annette Ajofo. Our editor-in-chief is Karen Pugliese. Theme music is by SoCold, syndications by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. You can visit them online at cfuv.ca. I mentioned the backbench earlier. You should listen to their most recent episode. It contains a fascinating conversation with a bunch of Gen Z people who are not disconnected and disaffected and cynical. It's an interesting conversation between some smart people who are politically engaged with Matea Roach, and uh, I highly recommend checking it out right now. Search for The Backbench on your podcast app. If you value the work that we do across our network, please support us. We need you to. We rely on listeners like you to pay for journalism. As a supporter, you will get premium access to all of our shows ad-free, early releases, bonus content, our exclusive newsletter will be yours, discounts on our merchandise, invites and tickets to our live and virtual events. More than anything, you will become a part of the solution to the journalism crisis that is worse than ever in Canada. You will be keeping our work free and accessible to everybody. Come join us now. Click on the link in your show notes or go to canadaland.com slash join. You can listen ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Thank you for supporting Canada Land. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.